What's up, everybody? This is Billy over here at Eastern Current, episode 19, uh, having a ton of fun here in the studio. We have a, a very special guest that we didn't announce, kind of a last-minute addition to the show, so super excited about that. And then also we have uh, Adam on the show with us. I would say his last name. I'm going to let you say his last name, Judd. D. Bruin Debrionski. I'm just <laughs> okay. kidding. Adam Bruin. And we're going to be talking about shallow water fishing for giant redfish. Yes. Or shallow fishing for giant redfish. Shallow living for giant redfish. Particularly where? In Louisiana? No, we're yeah. not. Yeah, Louisiana. No, we're not. <laughs> Adam, you're not supposed to talk yet. We haven't brought you on. <laughs> oh, come on. Now you introduced my name. I am legitimately allowed to talk. <laughs> All right. Keep it down over there, Adam. I told you what we we're going to do to you. All right. So, guys. Super excited about the show. <laughs> I'm going to have to switch the audio back to where I can mute people from Skype. Uh, he's, so, so, uh, he's misbehaving. I don't like it. <laughs> what kind of people do you have on the show, Judson? This is ridiculous. <laughs> Am uh, I distracting? No, you're good, man. I don't care. I'm used to it. Um, no, so, you don't know so, me yet. I'm not good. <laughs> I'm, I, I am as far from good as good cannot be. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, I'm going to go ahead and just, if you guys are watching this ridiculousness, tell us where you're watching from. Uh, give us a thumbs up, like, and share this post. We're going to be giving away a $25 gift card to iStrike uh, to their web store. They have a new web uh, gift card program, so we're going to be giving away a $25 gift card. Uh, but it's only for people who share the post. So anybody who shares the broadcast is going to be entered to win that. And hopefully we can pull up their shares at the end of the broadcast, and we will give that. $25 gift card away. So super excited about that. Judd? I've been practicing on where to find the shares. So at the end, I don't, I don't go crazy trying to find them. So it should be easier this time. Okay. So you just, <laughs> <laughs> I've been in rehearsal all day trying to find these shares. Um, dude, super excited about the show, John. Thanks a lot. Where's, where's the mute button? There we go. I think I turned him off there. Here we go. Um, so anyway, guys, uh, <laughs> Judd, good to have you back, man. Glad you're not sick for this sure. week. For sure, yeah. This is way too much diarrhea for one man to handle. Oh, <laughs> Okay, this show's going <laughs> south pretty quick. All right, uh, so, all back to all seriousness. Cool, no worries. Back yeah, to all seriousness. I don't have much of a of a fishing report for this week because I was not on the water the past week. Well, dude, let much. me give you my fishing yeah, report. Yeah, let's, let's hear it. I went out. I went out fishing. Yeah, I did on the surf. I caught fifteen lizard fish nice. in one day. I think you gave yourself a nickname. What was it? Yeah, it was, I'm the lizard wizard. The lizard wizard. Yeah, that's, that's my new one. nickname. So I'm pretty stoked <laughs> about that. You guys actually refer to me as that all night, or, or you'll never be invited back to the show. And I'll, and I'll just turn your screen black. <laughs> <laughs> so no, yeah, we, my father-in-law and I went out. He caught a, a bunch of flounder, caught a blue fish, caught some lizard fish, and uh, caught a couple trout as well. So it was pretty, it was good. It was pretty worth it. So nice. anyway, you. and that was all on foot, doing foot fishing. Listen to all those episodes we did with Ryan and some of those other guys and learned uh, a lot and went out there and caught some fish. So it was really, really good. Um, yeah. Cool. You want to get into the sponsors? Dude? Yeah, we'll do the sponsors roll real quick. We got, uh, we got Ice Strike fishing um like billy was saying we got a new uh, discount code we got Cito, afco marshware um eastern angling which is my guide business smoothie king ct custom lures and kbt realty kbt man that's what i'm talking about that's um that's my that's my uh, new deal. I mean, I don't own KBT, but I'm on a team, a real estate team there. So getting ready to put my second house under contract as soon as we get off the air. So super excited about that. So if you need to buy a house, sell, buy, invest, whatever. If you got a bunch of money laying around, you want to put into re rental properties. I'll do yeah. it. 
Billy's your guy. I just promoted hard. Billy is your man. New business. Um, Do so for the iStrike discount code. It's Eastern Current 10. So Eastern Current 10, all caps 10. Go on their website, buy in bulk, get get bulk discounts. They got all kinds of different discounts you can get on there. So uh, go check those guys out. And we're, once again, share this post. Anybody that shares is going to be entered to win a $25 gift card to iStrike's website, a new feature they have on there. Um, So if you love somebody, Great Christmas present, man. Great Go on Christmas ice strike. Present. That's what Judd wants for Christmas. So all of you guys just send him an ice strike gift card. Yep. Uh, minimum thirty dollars, he said. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, right. I think we need to go ahead and bring. Let's Dude, bring. Let's uh, just bring everybody, let's bring everybody on. on. And our secret guest is Ooh. Alan Kane. What's up, Alan? What's going on? I'm, I'm going to bring up Alan right now. And Adam. There's Alan. I got to turn Adams. There's Alan. Where's Adam? Where did he go? Back on. <laughs> <There he laughs> Adam, I turned your volume back on since you're being a good boy now. Oh, I had no idea that I wasn't supposed to talk. <laughs> no, nope. hey, it's no. all right. It, it honestly was the most entertaining uh, intro, show intro we've ever had. Yeah, so. dude, we'll probably have you back on just to intro the show. <laughs> you can just be our mascot. You guys, from what you're trying to do. Exactly. Exactly. No, dude, it was good, man. Judson's that five minutes he spent saying, "Hey, don't say anything." That was what that part we were talking about. <laughs> I'm not a good listener. It's okay. I'm not either. I'm not either. <laughs> All right. No, did, obviously, did you guys say don't talk? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. But I, I'm I'm glad you did because that was absolutely hilarious. Dude, it was the best, man. I'm glad when people break the rules. That's how that's how people get good at stuff. Well, yeah. Let's. Uh, yeah. Let's it's start. awesome that all the great stuff that I said that nobody heard is just forever lost and gone. <laughs> oh, he recorded that. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got to record it. Well, let's do Adam. Give us a little short backstory, and then Alan, give us a little short backstory. Like, how'd you get into fishing, um, and how are you here? And I want it in, in thirty seconds. Your whole life story. I'm just kidding. You don't have to do it that quick, but let's hear your backstory. <laughs> I like to fly tie, and uh, I yep. And I went to California for school. I guided in Montana for 15 years. And then I started going to Florida, uh, where I do flats fishing trips for people. And then I also guide in Louisiana. Um, and done. Nice. Done. Nice. That was 30 seconds, I think. How about you, Alan? That was perfect. Yeah, let's hear your backstory. You can go into more detail. I think I scared Adam. I can't follow up after Adam. <laughs> um, grew up bass fishing, trout fishing, North Carolina mountains, moved down to Wilmington for college and couldn't leave after I was here. Got into the fishing game when I first moved here, the saltwater fishing game a little more. Mm-hmm. And um, once I got out of college, I, to be honest, I didn't want to go straight to a desk job or have to leave Wilmington. So got into the guiding business and this is going on year 10. So, and then five years in Louisiana. Five years in Louisiana. Dang, man. So, And y'all are both about to head down to Louisiana within like a week, correct? Yeah. Can I change my answer? I'm doing this all for the ladies. <laughs> I, I got into guiding so that I you know, could be a womanizer and a ladies' man. Yeah, well, you must get a different um, clientele in your boat. I'm very successful. I'm very successful at it. That's why most guys get into it is because the it's just there's it's such a strong um, yeah, ladies love it fame. ladies love it yeah fame it's, is amazing I love the fame <laughs> actually this might like be the the first time of famedom hey well, oh, you, dude, earned we go. you have earned I it think, all the I years of sleeping in a van at the boat up, ramp 
Did I make that word up? I'm really good at making words up. Famedom? Famedom is, uh, is, is not yeah. a made-up word. That's a good one. Hey, what about Shirley? Shirley? <laughs> Shirley? Adam's favorite word. Shirley. Shirley? Oh, Shirley. Is that one of mine? Shirley? Shirley. I don't know. I like when people say, that's intense, because I always picture people doing things in a tent. Intense. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're like, oh, man, that was intense when those tarpon were blah, blah, blah. And then I picture a whole bunch of tarpon in a tent. <laughs> anyway, we could get on expressions. This whole like... going to be like this. Oh, dude, I love it, man. <laughs> I do, too. It's probably the most entertaining show to date. I know my so cheeks are, are hurting right now just from the smiling Getting so smoke much. blown up your ass expression, that's another great one. I know I'm probably not supposed to say that one, but I <laughs> love okay. it. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. You know, there's some expressions out there that when you really hear them, you stop and you think about it, you're like, Hmm. These are really, I don't know. Okay, you got me Where curious. Share two expressions of your favorite that really get you thinking. Oh, the one that I use on a day-to-day basis is when someone asks something like, how deep of water are we in? What are they fishing for? <laughs> Do you know them? <laughs> There's a thousand of them. And, or, you know, like if you're a guy and you don't know the name of the bird, like kind of bird is that? And the easiest thing that you can say all the time is hard saying, not knowing. <laughs> it's, it's manism. It's, a, it's an expression that my father, I believe, uh, used when I asked why the sky was blue or uh, are we going to catch fish here? But that's a great I just, question. I heard it a lot as a child, so now I use it on my clients, and it seems to work. I think we're going to do another episode this winter and bring Adam on and just let him tell stories the whole time. Dude, we do. God, we need dude. to have an Adam story. The amount of stories that yeah. I've stolen from Adam that I tell as my own now on my boat, are, uh, it's unreal. I mean, dude, we're probably dude, nine minutes in here. And I'm my gonna... stories are our stories because you guys are a part of me. I love you. I love you, and I don't know you, but maybe someday I no. could love you, too. <laughs> I'm growing I mean, pretty quickly. Half Come of on. our entertainment in Louisiana each night is Adam telling stories. Exactly, <laughs> dude. I'm smiling so much. I'm going to turn into an Doritos. emoji con. Well, let's let's talk in. I, I love the joke and I love everything, but let's let's jump into talking about you know giant redfish, shallow uh-huh. water, sight fishing. I'm going to put a damper on it, but um, no, it's all good. But but yeah. So Adam's been how how many years have you been down in Louisiana guiding Adam? I I don't know. I have not a ability to count very well, so I lose track. But it's uh, been a while. When was the BP spill? Because that's that was my first year. Oh man, I don't know. Somebody grab Google. It's like I forty know. years ago, I think. <laughs> forty years. Yeah, time. Well, you've been down there you, for a while. Yeah, you'd see all the gray hair in my beard, and you know that that I've been there a while. <laughs> well, uh, but you know. There's a lot of people that have been there a lot longer, but I put a lot of seasons in down there. Right on. And Alan, you've been, what is it? Five, five seasons down there? This be my, yeah, five seasons of guiding there. And then I went down with a buddy and fished one year, spent a few weeks down there, but it's a, it's an amazing fishery. It's an incredible fishery. The, the, my least favorite thing in the world is when a client gets on my boat here, they're like, oh yeah, I've redfished before in Louisiana. And, right. I'm, and I'm in North Carolina and I'm like, oh sweet, this is going to be a fun day. Um, but yeah, it's, it's such an addicting fishery. We all love it. Unfortunately, I won't be going back this year. Um, I'm going to stay here in Wilmington, but, but yeah, let's dive into it. So I'm going to ask some questions and I just want, you know, we'll just kind of re- between Alan and Adam just kind of rebound back and forth, um, the answers, but, um, 
so just like any fish, you know, you get into that bigger size class of fish and the way you look for that fish and what that fish is doing is, is it's similar, but, but different. And the areas you look for that fish are different. So what are, what are you kind of like, you know, when you're going out or, or if you're looking at a new section of map or something, um, and you're going out to fish for these, these big, you want to go out, you're in Louisiana or you're somewhere that has these large red fish. What are you looking for as far as, um, you know, environment to, to target these fish? What, what kind of conditions, what kind of water depth, what kind of, you know, structure, all that kind of stuff. You want me to go first? Yeah, you can go first. Well, the best advice that was given to me when I started exploring that area was from Bear Holman, who's been there a long time, him and his brother Travis. And I think they primarily fish in Venice. But what he told me was, look for natural fish traps. And so a natural fish trap can be all sorts of different things. It can be where two pieces of current come together and collide, and that creates a seam. If you look on a map, it can be a whole bunch of island change chains that are angled towards uh, one particular little pocket or cove where it kind of forces the fish into a certain area. Um, and... That's been real helpful for me over the years, and I still, to this day, you know, even here in Florida, I look for those uh, natural fish traps. Find the funnels. Find the funnels. Just like hunting. I mean, think about deer hunting. Deer go into a funnel, and you have two ridges or a creek bottom meeting. You know, deer funnel through there, so same with um, fish. You know, you have a creek coming out of deep water. Those fish are going to follow that creek up into a cove or a bay, so funnels are key. I know that, uh, and both of y'all, you know, fish, fish, both these styles of fishing down there, but I would say like, Alan, you really like fishing shorelines. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you fish a lot of shorelines. You do really well on shorelines. And Adam, you like fishing more of the, like the little pockets and and ponds and potholes. What is, what's the difference? And like, what's the difference in those two types of scenarios? Alan, you can go first. (laughs) I mean, I just, (laughs) this is true. um, There's two people to ask. We both fish the same stuff you know like yeah we, you, we can't stere- you can't stereotype us into alan's a shoreline like, guy and adam's a, <laughs> adam's a pothole guy yeah there's been no, uh, that's true there's that's been true. there's been a few days over the years where we've um showed up at the same spot at the same time all three of us um, actually. actually exactly <laughs> uh that's probably because we live together and talk about it but um you know the difference in down in louisiana for those big fish versus you know say here in north carolina or you know south carolina or florida um, you know, we find a lot of those big fish far off the bank, actually. Um, you think about our juvenile redfish, they stay shallow. The food they're eating is shallow. Um, their biggest predators here in North Carolina are dolphin and sharks. So they're going to stay shallow where those big fish, you know, I've seen many times where, you know, porpoises come by and the fish, as soon as the porpoises swim by, the fish just start floating back to the surface again. Um, here in North Carolina, when the dolphin or porpoises show up, uh, you might as well move somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so you know, down there, I definitely fish a lot more open water. You know, you find those fish way off the banks sometimes. What's way off the bank for people? Like 100 yards off the bank sometimes. Yeah. You know, even, you know, singles. Um, but it's more of going back to the whole funnels and, you know, fish traps, as Adam said. Yeah. You know, even though it's a wide open bay, there is a funnel that's guiding those fish in there. So I may not go to the center of a bay, but I'm going to go to the center of a big creek leading into the bay. Um, in the 
the other thing too, you know, that we see there is that transition of of watercolor. You know, early in the season, it's muddy, you can't see anything, and you're just kind of poking out there to where you, you've seen them in the past. But then, as the water cleans up later in the season, you know, that that cold water helps push that sediment and those dioflagellates down to the bottom. You can see, and so you start seeing that underwater topography as well, and you know, there's a three-dimensional aspect to all of the stuff that we're talking about. And, you know, it, it almost becomes like a, a tarpon fishery down there where you're looking for those edges that are way out off the bank that you didn't even know existed. So you learn that bottom. By pulling um, it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's – and then you kind of like get into that area later and you're like, oh, man, this edge is great. And then, you know, a couple seasons later you're like – hey, where was that edge again? And you're like, you're riding the shoreline because you can't see and you find yourself kind of thinking back and you're like, oh yeah, I was really good out there, you know, 200 yards off the bank and you go out there and you find that ridge and you can't see it, but those fish are there and you start catching them in places where other people don't see them. Yeah, and I'll say like compared to here, you know, in your area in the Keys too, you know, we have much bigger tides. So, you know, in the low tide, you can find out where all that underwater ridges or underwater shelves and structure are, oyster bars, um, where in Louisiana, the tide flow is so small there that um, the only way you really learn it is just by covering water, spending time yeah. on a push pole, feeling the bottom, you know, like Adam said, there'll be sometimes, you know, down there, there's a lot of shorelines that have eroded away and there'll be little humps out off the shorelines or off of points that, you know, 10 years ago was probably dry land, but now it's, you know, two feet shallower than the surrounding water. And those fish will float up over that a lot and clean water, yeah. clean water is yeah. key. So yeah, the, the, the only way to learn it is 21 feet of long carbon fiber. A <laughs> <laughs> good old push pole. Good old push pole. Is that why you wear so much tape on your shoulders? Yes, sir. Yeah, Adam looks like a, a NFL football player when he's getting decked up in the morning with all the tape on his shoulder. He's so jacked up from rowing. I walk out in the morning, I'm like, Alan, give me the gun show, because Alan's got the gun show. Oh, oh. <laughs> I, I missed the gun show. It was Alan's face responding to your gun show. <laughs> so one thing that I wanted to jump into is like me me and Alan, and I, there's going to be a lot of this just kind of like, you know, broing out on this episode because we, it's just some friends hanging out. We haven't seen Come Adam on. in like We haven't yeah. seen Adam. Yeah. So this one time oh bro <laughs> i was wrong the intercontinental bro <laughs> but oh, bro it was, it was epic oh, the intercontinental that's where all the the redfish travel to louisiana it's a current scene but no yeah. um what i was gonna hey, say towards oh. homedale <laughs> you got the camera on me for way too long i'm just all uh, it's all right dude <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna start pushing you guys along here like but so, all right, in the mornings, me you gotta, and Alan... You got a haircut. I like your haircut, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. No, you know, seriously, you look fast. Look, and I, I'm I super give myself fast. one, too. You tell? You look good? Let us flip over to you. Hold on a second. There oh, we go. Oh, you look really good. Yeah, man, that's sharp. You did that all by yourself, huh? <laughs> did I get the back? Is it? Oh, gosh. <laughs> turn, turn back around. Turn back around. That's bad back there. That's perfect, man. For all the people listening to our podcast, I apologize. You didn't get to see the back of his head. It's pretty entertaining. <laughs> Check it out on our YouTube channel. No, is it is it really crooked? No, is it, it actually is probably the, one of the best ones I've ever seen you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Since, since I've seen you guys last, I've lost 25 pounds. 
Don't, you only wow. weigh like 25 pounds. <laughs> you know, I, I had relationship weight and was like 165. And now oh, you burned I can't it do, off? Because now I'm 145. So that's 20, <laughs> 20 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Math. Well, here's what I wanted to jump into. So I wanted to get – Adam's got an insane routine every day when he guides, which I think is real cool and I think is, is a cool way to kind of plan to your fishing even if you're not guiding. Me and me and Alan, we both try to sleep in about every last second that we can. Absolutely. And then, then get up and roll out the door and, and go guide. But Adam, I wanted to hear the breakdown of your your morning routine. Let's hear your uh, from from alarm to hitting the water. Yeah, the alarm. I curse it. I curse it, and I I really should probably find a new uh, ringtone to wake me up to because it it is bothersome. But yeah, uh, you know I get into the the kitchen and i i like a really strong cup of coffee so i use a an espresso pot and i mean i'm not going to kid you sometimes i use mcdonald's coffee you know it does the trick i mean cuz the end result is trying to make a poop and <laughs> i think you know if you, if you just if you get in there and you hit it hard you're going to get a strong cup of coffee and it's going to hit you quick and you're gonna kind of pucker up and run, and that's that's what you, what you want. It is. I mean, everybody want. does it. You know, let's not. I, I mean, little babies poop. You know, <laughs> I mean, guides poop. I mean, high-paid lawyers poop. Everybody poops, and they do it every day. So you know, it's something that like should be discussed. And for you sure, know, I mean, you guys didn't know what you were getting into bringing Adam on the show. <laughs> you know, I'm like. But while that poop's brewing, oh let's go into that, the morning routine. Like I know that – so I get up at 5, 5, 5.30, let's say. I know that my body needs an hour before the coffee kicks in, the caffeine hits me, and it's time to go. And so as I'm kind of waking up, you know, I, I have, I guess, a ritual of sitting and – Thinking about what the day is going to bring me um, as far as weather and tides, you know, and say I got a, uh, a windy day and the water's super muddy and I got a client who can't cast very well, I'm going to sit down and tie some particular flies for that individual or, you know, it's going to be slicked out and, you know, the fish are really spooky. I I want to sit down and tie something special and unique for that particular day and I I mean, honestly, I thought that every guy does this. I thought everybody guide, you know, they get up and they tie their flies for their clients. And I think there are some guides that do it, but I, you know, I do find enjoyment in tying flies. And I think it's nice to have some special bugs for your client. And, um, you know, I, I like that. And then, and then there's the poop again. And then, so you get some flies tied and then you go poop. And then you run out to the, you know, the skiff and you make sure that, you know, you got a, you know, a couple rods in there and your flies that you just tied. Cause I do forget them sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those where you're like, yeah, so I got this fly and it would work so good, but it's sitting at the vice. <laughs> and, and a little pile of three other ones. That. That we should also well. know that Adam ties a fly every single morning. He usually ties yeah. like three or four flies every single morning. Every yeah, morning. Yeah, you're able to get three done at least. Yeah. Dang, that's crazy. It is. Yeah. I've like, learned a here's lot from Here's a, oh, hold a on new a second. Let me, let me uh, pull you up on the big screen. What is it? What is that? Talk us through it. 
You what? How about you tell me what you think it is? I think it's a uh, uh, half shrimp, half mouse. <laughs> but look at that. See, can you see the detail in there? Is that one of the chains? Is that one of Kevin's? Yeah, Kevin style flies? That's the oh, chain. there it is. <laughs> Mr. Kevin or Julio. Yes, exactly. That's a cool but one. But it's a really cool fly. And it does some awesome stuff in the water. Oh, I'm back. What's hey, up? There you go. Just did a magic trick. You just disappeared and came back. I know. And <laughs> you can see my shoulder and my elbow, and then I'm back. <laughs> so, all right, we hit the water. What are you? We talked about kind of you know what we're looking for as far as fishing um, for these larger fish, but let's talk about like the approach. Like you get into an area, you know, there's redfish in shallow water, and especially these big fish. Like when they get shallow, I feel like they're super sensitive. So let's talk about kind of like the approach to that fish and the presentation uh, to a large fish in shallow water. Either one of y'all, well, whoever feels good about it. Can I, can I reverse real quick? Yeah, for sure. So you're asking about the morning. Oh yeah. Back to the morning. There's a, there's a map scenario that really I think is kind of important to oh, me, yeah, yeah. especially with the wind and like, and especially, you know, like wind and sun, you know, if you are thinking about your morning, I'm really good about planning like maybe five to six spots in the morning. You know, I know that the sun's going to be over my shoulder and the wind's going to do this. And so this bank should be good because the fish have been in this particular area. And so it's like, all right, that's spot number one. Um, spot number two, you know, I need more sun because the bottom's dark. And the wind's supposed to change at noon and switch more to the east. So these areas over here will be better. So you kind of have a tentative plan of like, all right, I'm going to fish this area because of this reason, and then I'm going to go over there for this reason. And so I usually feel like I do pretty good in the morning, and then I just fall apart in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. And I end up kind of luckily always back the dock, thank God. <laughs> I feel like I'm the opposite. Like I kind of struggle in the morning, and then I'm like, oh, I put something together by the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Alan, I feel like you're the you're – you know, a day saver in the end, you know, where I'm the guy who's like, remember the morning? It was so good. I put you on those fish. And then like the rest of the day it was crickets and just, just remember the good stuff in the morning. <laughs> yeah. I don't definitely don't do that. Um, I kind of put my game plan together in the morning and then once I get on the water, I change it all up. Yeah. I get to my first spot and it's not like I thought it was going to be water's dirty. Um, there's no fish around. And then I just abandon the whole game plan and, you know, go try new areas. Yeah. I definitely like to go explore new areas if I'm not finding anything at all. For sure. Well, how, let's That's talk... what's great about down there too. There's unlimited amounts of water. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how much water there is down there. That's the best part about down there is being able to make those big moves, which you like, I feel like you get that in the keys a, a decent amount Alan or Adam, but, um, but for me and Alan in North Carolina, it's like, you're kind of stuck to, you know, your little, your little small zone that's working at that time. But, but that's, yeah, that's yeah, a great, but don't you feel that now that you guys have been there for all this time, that when you got there, it was like this big, shiny, great, amazing place to explore? And now, it, doesn't it feel like... It gets know, small kind of, really quickly. It gets small real quick. Yeah. It gets small quick. based on wind and dirty water. And yeah. 50 other boats out and, there. Yes. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, in relation to where we come from, though, it's still... Yeah. I could spend all day there in one bay system that right. has more fish than we do here. I'm just being honest. That's definitely true. Well, dude, let's get into that then. Like, what what do you think contributes to that the most? 
without sure a loaded still, question. What's yeah. the question? <laughs> what's your question? The amount, what can, Billy, are you asking what contributes yeah, to Yeah, so like, I'm saying you're saying the fishery in Louisiana is much different than here in North Carolina. So, you know, from a guide's perspective, you guys are on the water a whole lot more than most people, obviously. So what do, well, you, what do you, what do you think the biggest difference between the fisheries? Is it just the fishery or is it, is it? I'd say it's a lot of that. It's a lot of answers to that question actually but yeah, there's a lot I mean, of the mississippi delta it. is huge i mean you know compared to our area um they have much better fisheries management policies there than we do which we won't get into the political part of it but um <laughs> no, there's a lot free. of issues with that. The yeah. um <laughs> let's just say we allow a lot of destructive practices here that louisiana got rid of many years ago um but the biggest thing is the mississippi delta is huge there's a vast nutrient flow there lots of food which in the long run equates to more fish which is why those big adult fish push inshore more there than they do here. Um, you know, here in North Carolina, we get some big adults in certain places, mm -hmm. uh, you know, up in the Pamlico, of course, but um, down here in our area, there's very limited opportunities for sight fishing to big adult redfish. I mean, I've been guiding here for ne next March will be 10 years. And in 10 years, I've caught two redfish, two adult redfish in shallow water. Wow. And one of them was like probably five feet of water. So we'll say relatively shallow. Relatively, the other one yeah. was in like a couple feet of water. So in Louisiana, that's kind of a standard. Um, I feel like I'll a, see maybe two or three yeah, a year exactly. in shallow water. But in relation to there, they have so much more food. And again, going back to the fisheries management, um, they're better at protecting their fish. Yeah. Cool, man. So. Well, dude, I appreciate you sharing that. And I know you didn't want to get too political, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, we can, but... <laughs> That's a, probably a whole other show. I think another big part oh, of it, sure. too, and people ask this all the time, you know, like, why do we not get the big redfish shallow? And, and like uh, like Alan was saying, in the Pamlico, they come in. But if you think about the Louisiana, it's this huge marsh system extending out into the Gulf with no inlets. Like, it's just yeah. easy access from the Gulf to the marsh. It's like ridiculously huge, like 10,000 miles of it or something crazy I looked so, up yeah, the other day. It's, it's like got to be insane. I mean, and they've got their own issues, too. They're, they're do dealing with, like, a hundred football fields a day, I believe, of erosion. Yeah, I think Jeez. I saw the current yeah. rate of erosion was they lose one hundred yards of shoreline every hour of every day. Yeah, wow. it's crazy. So it's it's they've, pretty sad. They've they've levied up and dammed up a lot of the outflows and the braids of the Mississippi River, and so there's no sediment deposit from the river anymore. But the, but the big enough. reason why there's so many fish shallow yeah. there, I think, is is that the nutrient that are causing that problem. Is they it really eat all. Nutria? It's yeah. It's a hundred percent nutrient. <laughs> It's those big giant rats that hide in the grass that eat all the grass, and that's that's the only problem. That's it. That's the main problem is those big rats. Would y'all say that Holy you cow. judge your day? But would would a good day to y'all in the water be catching you know five to ten big bull redfish or shooting five nutria with a pistol? What's a better day? <laughs> well, we've got uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah. I know there's captains that much rather shoot the nutria. <laughs> how big are you talking when you say a big rat? How big are we talking? They can I've never get up been to 30 down. pounds, right? Like a 30 pound rat? Yeah. Yeah, like a beaver. It looks like a beaver, but it's a rat. Yeah, they're crazy. Yeah, and they're oh, everywhere. We, they're down actually right. tasty. We've we, Adam cooked one up one time. You were kidding me? No, dead serious. You guys seriously I, ate one? Oh, well, I, I, I definitely did. Definitely did not a picture. <laughs> you got a picture? <laughs> got a picture i'm just, yeah just keep talking i'll find Dude, it Dude, a 30 pound rat that's insane they're huge so, so they eat all the grass down there and it's killing the well, environment you see you know you kind of see no. the, they eat the, the roots of the grass and you see the grass kind of caving in where they build uh, their little huts yeah, uh, they're invasive gotcha. and gotcha. that's a big part of it but a lot of it has to do yeah, with yeah. Shoreline just equivalent to fire ants here in north carolina 
This is a small part of it, yeah. Yeah, very small part. <laughs> Adam just likes to talk about him. <laughs> uh, that's pretty entertaining. He likes to eat that's pretty funny. It's a crazy place, man. You'll see pigs out there. You'll see Nutria. That's crazy. And that's about all you Coyotes see, on islands, coyotes, remote yeah. islands. Coyote Island, yeah. You, yeah you'll see coyotes fun. 40 miles out on little islands and whatnot. But what's Maybe crazy, 40, you know, 20 like miles. Judd said about their fishery, I mean, um, their marsh versus ours is, you know, we have a long, narrow strip of mm-hmm. shoreline, except yeah. for the Pamlico. Yeah um of marsh <laughs> where the louisiana I'm, delta is just massive and you know there's a picture little... of our buddy getting tattooed in the trailer though <laughs> <laughs> that's a great picture that's all another story too <laughs> uh, i think if somebody could just go and go down to louisiana with you guys and spend how, how many months do you guys go down there typically three. about three months three months so go down there with you for three months and just document it that would be i'm going to take my camera it'd I'm be a go. great documentary dude it'd be hilarious I don't even know hilarious. if you can have enough. I don't know if you can have enough memory cards to fill all the yeah. funny stories that you guys seem to come up with. So, <laughs> so dude, Alan, when did you? While he's still looking for that picture, when did? <laughs> what got you interested in going down there? Was it just like, hey, it's slow season here, want to go down there? Or, or, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Well, you know, our wintertime fishery here can be really good too, but it's you know it's more weather dependent. Gotcha. Um, you know, down there you can you can salvage a pretty bad weather day sometimes there. Where here our fish they act a little different. Um, but I mainly went down the first time with a buddy of mine, um, went down to go, just go explore. And he'd been fishing there before. So we spent a week down there just running around the marsh, exploring. And basically it opened my eyes to how good it was, you know, and (laughs) this may be taken the wrong way to some people, but I'm a firm believer. If you have experience fishing the East coast from North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, you know, if you fish for fish on the East coast, and you find fish regularly and catch fish regularly here, you will never have a problem in Louisiana. Yeah, you have your tough days. Yeah, there's bad weather days. Some days the fish don't want to eat. But if you have any experience here, you will find fish there. It is significantly easier than here. Yeah, Um, I would agree 100%. um, And, you know, of course, there's more and more pressure. I mean, like I said, I've only been guiding there for five years. But... And there's a lot of guys that, you know, from other states to spend years there as well. I mean, spend seasons there. Um, it's a great year-round fishery, and some of the locals will tell you that um, all year long, even though most people promote it as a wintertime fishery. Yeah. Um, but compared to how educated our fish are on the East Coast, they're completely different in Louisiana. I mean, they'll eat anything you throw to them. <laughs> you can hit them on the head with a fly or lure. You can throw it on their t- their tail, and they'll turn and eat it most of the time. Um totally different fish you hit a fish here on the head with a fly you'll never see that fish again yeah that's Um, crazy so you know once i saw how good that area was it was you know it's kind of a no-brainer i just started talking to some of my clients here and you know took a few down there the first year i did a month and just took a like 30 clients down there and did a month there and then um you know here throughout the year i just talk about it you know on charters and show guys pictures of it and they all want to go so so it's do you guys get it. a lot of people from here going with you? Down yeah, there, I'd right? say ninety nine percent of my clients are that's guys crazy. that I fish with here. Yeah, and, that's cool. Um, it's most of the time it's the same guys year after year. Yeah. So that's what's so great about down there is you can just show up and find fish. <laughs> okay, Adam is filming a picture of this. Let's see it. Rat. I'm ready to see it. <laughs> here we go. Oh my yeah, goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness, dude. What is that called? What are you guys calling that? Not a rat, but what's a nutria. A, a nutria. nutria. And for the people listening, explain this picture, Adam. Uh, we have a friend who is really good at killing them, and he has a tendency to just drop them on the doorstep. <laughs> and so we got back from guiding, and lo and behold, he had dropped one of these 
critters off and we uh we said all right let's do it and so i i filleted it up took the hindquarters out and um we ate it it was actually think, really good yeah i think uh you know if someone wants to drop another one on the doorstep again and again and again and again like they keep doing maybe i'll do another one but i think this time i'd probably soak it in salt water brine you know and uh give it a day or two to it had a little gamey flavor. It kind of tasted like goat meat or something, and <laughs> I'm not a big fan of goats. I mean, I think they're cool critters, but I don't, I don't want to have that in my mouth. It, they're gross. <laughs> Crazy man. Or what is the next question? <laughs> what are, oh, this is, this going has been from I, I want to go back to what Alan was saying. I think the the thing about Louisiana is that no matter what your abilities are, you're going to be rewarded. Um, if you can cast a long ways and you can control your fly, then you're gonna you're gonna catch a lot of fish. I mean, it's all about just wiping those you know fish's face with the fly and making sure that they know that it's there. And you know, some guys struggle, and but they still catch fish and they're rewarded yeah. and they have a great time. So I think everyone's experience in Louisiana, um, for the most part, when the weather's good, is always generally a, a good experience. Um, it's hard to Unless you have a really lazy guy who doesn't care, um, I think you know you're gonna have a good time there, and it's it's a pretty amazing place. I you know I will say that when I started there, um, I saw a lot more schools of big fish. Uh, there was days where we would catch I don't know 40 fish over 20 pounds, and then the year after it was like 20 fish over 20 pounds. And those are like, oh, my God, banner days. Like, I'm never going to be able to top that. And, you know, the last couple of years, um, you know, a great day is sometimes two fish over 20 pounds or one fish over 20 pounds. Um, but that's all you know, relative we, to weather and yeah, angler ability, too. Yeah, totally. And we all come home and we know that, you know, Alan might have a, a, a really bad client and Judd's got a good client and I have a mediocre client <laughs> and we can kind of find a, a pattern, a median, you know, uh, someplace in the middle and see, you know, how the fishing is. And, you know, there's days where none of our anglers are killing it and it, it is tough. And there are a lot of people down there now. And, you know, I think all the different major destinations in Louisiana, Venice, um, uh, our area, I'm not going to name it cause I don't need to see any more people there unless you want to come <laughs> fishing with us and then you can just reach out to us, but we don't need any more, you know, do it yourselfers. And, you know, I mean, I want everyone to experience the fishery and have fun, but you know, there are fish now that have seen a fly and you know, when you, you know, you, like Alan said, you could always count on that fish eating. And now you throw a fly to a fish and he doesn't eat it you know that somebody has educated that fish and that's not something that is, you know, uh, it's now becoming more seen and not, I wouldn't say it's normal, but you know, it wasn't something that was normal back in the day. And, you know, so I'm and, not saying time slipping away, but things are changing, you know? Yeah. On that same note, you know, what Adam just said, you know, they are definitely, um, you know, me as well as some of the other guys I know there, there's, we've caught the same fish, in the same place um redfish you know typically have one single spot on the tail some fish have very distinguishable spots and um i caught the same fish in november 
and then or caught a fish in November um, one year, and then we caught the same fish in March the following year in the oh, same wow. pond that was probably 150 yards wide that's way up a creek in the marsh. So identical spots, like without a doubt, 100% same fish. So even those big adult fish can be very residential fish. So if they get a lot of pressure, you know, obviously they won't be as aggressive. Right, right. Hmm. Well, that, that leads into a good question. Sorry, what were you saying, Adam? I was just saying, I mean, I think all fish are creatures of habit. It doesn't matter where you go or what you're fishing for. I mean, you know, we like to think that fish in the ocean are, you know, you see them and then they're gone forever. But no, I don't think that's true. I mean, tarpon, you know, in some of the places that we fish them, you know, it's the same fish under the same tree year after year. And, you know, I think whether it's a redfish or wherever, you know, like you got to learn to not beat certain areas up and rest fish and you know i think you're rewarded if you can move around and change up the game a little bit you know but if you 100%. go and you, i mean this is this is for anybody fishing their own waters don't go and beat up your fish day after day rest rest your stuff rest your fish they'll be much happier for it and you'll catch more fish if you rest them let them get dumb again so you can catch them again <laughs> Let them get I mean, that again. can even be said for the big bulls up in the Noose River. You know, guys run over them and hit the same places day after day after day, and those fish get very educated. Yeah. Um, even, you know, typically, you know, in the Noose, you throw a popping cork around a bait ball, those fish will eat. But if they get run over by many boats, they're going to get very educated, and they're going to be a little more reluctant to eat. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Good advice. So Griffin asked here on our on our comment section. He said, "What is an average day?" And this is, you know, this question's relative. But what's an average day in Louisiana weather conditions and and uh, you know fish caught and, and like if someone comes down there for a day of fishing for a couple of days of fishing, what's to expect if you haven't fished Louisiana before with it with a captain? Well, I mean, I you know my I think if you book three days and you get one good day of weather you know you're gonna hopefully catch one big fish on some of the nastier days and then you get that one good day you are a good angler and you can put it where it's supposed to be quickly and accurately and you know that the captain's giving you opportunity say he gives you say 15 fish you should catch 10 of those fish i think you know yeah. redfish for sure redfish for sure yeah, yeah. i mean yep you know, when it comes to redfish, they're not the most picky species, especially when you compare it to like, say, tarpon, permit, bonefish, you know, all the glory species. Um, but here, like even our speckled trout, they can be very picky sometimes um, compared to like a redfish. Um, redfish, it's all about presentation. If you put it in their face, they're going to eat it most of the time. Um, it's all about how you move it, whether it's a fly, lure. It usually doesn't matter what it is, what color it is. If you move it right, they're usually going to eat it. Um but like, you know, going back to like a normal day in Louisiana, you know, what expectations? And I mean, I would say on a good weather day, you can expect to have, you know, at least, you know, 10 to 15 shots at fish. Like big, big shots. Fish. Yeah, big, big fish. Yeah. You know, on a good day. Big you know, fish if, being like 18, 20 pounds. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, you get a bad weather day. And even though it's a world-class fishery, you know, it's tough. You know, all the videos out there, all the pictures, let's be honest, it's social media. Everybody only posts the good stuff, but I'm sure Judd and Adam and everybody else can tell you that. I've only had good days. When, <laughs> when the weather's bad, the fishing <laughs> can be tough. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. Um, sometimes they're just not happy. Um, 
But, you know, a good day down there, a nice sunny day, light winds, you're going to get shots at least 10 to 15 fish. No clouds. No clouds. No clouds. No clouds. But, you know, <laughs> I know this is supposed to be about big red fish, but, you know, the difference in the little fish versus the big fish is it and seems to be a different being demeanor. An little average fish, fish okay, yeah. anywhere else exactly. in the country. Yeah. I should re rephrase that. From North Carolina to Texas, you know, let's say your average three to seven pound redfish. Um, I'm going to put a big range in there. But like, you know, one to four year old fish, um, they can be, you know, a little more spooky. You know, they have a lot of predators. You know, when they're young, they have a lot of birds. When they're older, dolphins, sharks. Um, whereas the big bulls are not as spooky, typically, um, unless they've been pressured. But um, as far as like getting them to eat, I think the big ones are much easier to get to eat. Um, if you get it in their face, let like Adam said, wipe their nose with the fly or the lure. They're going to eat it most every time. Um, whereas the little ones, it seems to be you need a good presentation. You don't want to splash it on them. You know, they don't. You don't think a bird is diving on them. Um, so, a normal day in Louisiana, I would go after. We're mostly targeting the big adult fish. That's why everybody goes to Louisiana. Um, but when the weather's bad, like we were talking about, we'll go into the little ponds or little shallow creeks and target the um, the slot fish. And um, you know, I would say. If you're booking a trip or you're taking a trip somewhere, take what the weather gives you. You know, you can be stubborn and only want to catch the big ones. Like but Adam. Someday, <laughs> but some days you don't have the weather for it. And you need to be flexible. Go have fun catching little fish. Um, and again, little it's average If we didn't call else. them little fish, people it would be, be a little bit easier. That's them. very true. <laughs> you guys want to go catch a slop of little fish? <laughs> but... You know, going back to the size range of fish, one of the things that is a struggle for some of us is when you have that angler who's had a couple days of kind of mediocre fishing and you take them to one of these places on the nice day where it's that one day and it's sunny out and the big fish are there, you tell this guy, hey, listen, you're going to see some little fish and I know that you want to catch any fish, but I don't want you to cast to them. <laughs> You're going to leave them alone. And that's a really hard thing to, to do as a guide is ignore fish and knowing that <clears throat> that one fish comes along that'll make the day and he catches that fish. He's going to, you know, he's going to be psyched to catch that one big fish. And, you know, the thing that we'll try to do is say, hey, you can throw the fly at that fish, but don't set the hook. Have that hunting experience. Have that interaction. Let him eat the fly, but do not set the hook. And there is something very empowering that you gain and what you learn from that and how long you actually have to set the hook, you know. And there's a lot of people who come and they're really quick to just yank it out of there. And you're like, whoa, that was – he almost got a hold of it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you almost caught that fish. Yeah, he, he, he almost caught – he almost got up to that fly. But, you know, I mean – it, it gets it, – there's something cool about throwing a fly to a fish and not setting the hook, and it's gotten to the point where on some of our days off, we don't need that picture. We don't need to pull on that fish. What we want is to throw the fly, to feed the fish, and that's all we need, you know? Yeah. And I think it's kind of cool. I, I think um, <laughs> it would be a really strange sport if we all went out there and didn't set the hook. But. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah. you learn with every fish. You learn with every scenario, whether, you know, you catch that fish or you miss that fish. So, you know, like Adam said, throw to it, 
you know, even if you don't want to catch that fish. And again, going back to little fish, anywhere else in the U.S., you're going to want to catch that fish. If you get a shot yeah. at it, you're going to catch that fish. Sometimes down on the, the bigger adult fish, you know, if you're hunting the big adult fish, you might not want to throw to like a five to 10 pound fish. But if it's a slow day, take advantage of it. Yeah. Cast to that fish. Learn yeah. that fish's, you know, body language, reading that scenario. That's making me think so. about there was one day that I think, I think it might've been all three of us. Maybe it was just me and Adam. We had the day off and we were like in an area, there were some big fish and there was like all these little fish all of a sudden. And then Adam had a, we had a popper tied on, on the fly rod. And I think Adam, I think it was 18 times. He had one fish eat the same popper 18 times. He didn't set the hook on it. He just kept eating yeah. it and spitting it back. And the fish was so tired and he was like trying to come up and eat it. And he would like try to eat it with his barely opening his mouth. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah, that's some self-control right there, man. I'll rip that thing to the next zip code. <laughs> but it, it's really cool when you have a client who gets into that game where you're like, see how many times you can feed that fish. Yeah, and the client's like, one, two, yeah, three, maybe, yep. Three and he's like he's like counting and he's got nine on that one fish and that fish is just like all just in a panic just freaking out you know and like the the, the I tell you what that guy is gonna remember that one fish that ate nine times and he didn't catch it you know where he just laughed his ass off you yeah. know messed with that fish for sure and the fish swam away just kind of like what the hell just happened you know. <laughs> I ate that shrimp like 15 times. And I don't have anything in my belly. Well, let's yeah, talk. And one last thing yeah, that I just thought it. about, so I don't forget to say it, but, um, you know, I'll say this for all fishing gods out there, fly or spin guys. We've been making a lot of fly fishing references, um, but, you know, spin fishing is for those big bulls is even easier. And um, on those bad weather days, sometimes you got to put the fly rod down, grab that spinning rod. Oh, yeah. I know it's very difficult to do. I recently went to Mexico few months ago and refused to do that myself and left fishless <laughs> so believe me i understand uh the weather was bad and i stuck with the fly but for all the fishing guides out there i'll go ahead and say it definitely pick up that spinning rod um you know there are days where the weather or the fish or you're just not seeing fish for instance and um being able to cover water more effectively with a spin rod um can make or break the day yeah. And um, if you're traveling somewhere, whether it be to Louisiana or say you go to the Pamlico for the big adult redfish or up in the Chesapeake Bay, I know we're leaving those guys out, but I've yeah. never fished there, yeah. so I don't have much experience, but I know they catch a lot of bulls up there too. Some days you've got to be flexible and it doesn't matter what the size fish you're targeting. Um, don't be scared to change up your tactics because going back to what Adam said about casting to those fish, letting them eat it, you learn with every fish. It doesn't matter if you catch it on fly, you catch it on spin, you catch it blind casting, sight casting. You learn with every scenario. So, um, agreed. 100%. I'm a firm believer of being flexible, except when I travel myself and I don't do that. So, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice when when someone wants to be flexible. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's uh, let's talk about. You were talking about you know sweeping the fly off the fish's face or the lure. Let's talk about presentation when sight fishing for these redfish and and kind of like how to present what, whether you're throwing, whatever you're throwing, let's talk about sight fishing and, and how to, to get, get a bite out of these fish, a bite. Jump it, dude. Jump it. Just put it in there and jump it. Put it in there and jump it. That is, I, I'd say the, the thing that, you know, you want, you fantasize about going to a destination to catch fish is making these long, beautiful casts dropping the fly out there, leading the fish, 
That's not that's not Louisiana. Louisiana is looking left and right, the typewriter head, snap. <laughs> and then you see this fish at like four feet and you're holding, you know, ten feet. How do you take ten feet that you're holding and flip it off the side? Well, you gotta kinda be agile and figure out how to react to those shots because those shots come from four feet to 40 feet and you got to make it happen like that and you know i mean there's times where you're holding your fly and you're you're not going to take and make a cast there it's better to take the fly with your hand and then toss it into the water and get get the bite like that and you know i mean those are things that we talk to our clients about and they think oh no no that's not going to happen and then the situation occurs and you're like, throw the fly with your hand. And then they're like, okay, you talked about it. Let's do that. And it works, you know, and like, you know, you got to think outside the box on some of these shots because the color of the water is muddy and you can't see them. And, you know, or there's just different scenarios. But the main thing is, is just making that fly look like something that they want to eat because they, I mean, they eat anything. I've seen them try to eat ducks off the water. I've had them try to eat other redfish or Spanish mackerel or, you know, I mean, they'll take advantage of whatever they can get their mouth around. Um, I mean, they we've thrown some pretty ridiculous yeah, lures out. on a massive rat. <laughs> How about your beetle that you had last year? <laughs> That's why I was just thinking about this, that beetle. It was this bass lure that I got at Kmart for like $4. It had these like big lips and they would kind of go like this in the water it was like a big african beetle (laughs) and it 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 caught fish um i didn't think it would but it caught fish i mean redfish it's all about the movement you know if you you swim it right they're gonna eat it well where do you want to where do you want to place that cast like if a fish is coming down the bank or you see a fish floating in the middle of a pond like let's talk about like how where where do i need to cast to for my best and how do i need to retrieve it in for my best chance of like having that fish actually eat well for Talking about the big bull redfish in Louisiana or, you know, even in North Carolina or South Carolina, Georgia, anywhere there's big adult redfish. Yeah. Um, again, going back to what I said earlier, those guys aren't quite as spooky typically. So um, I tell guys to, you know, not leave that fit. Well, let me back up. Water clarity plays an issue. Clear water, I'm going to lead the fish a little more. Dirty water, you lead them less. But typically in Louisiana, I tell guys to put the fly close to the fish. Put it a foot in front of his head and let him see that fly. If he spooks on it, we'll adjust for the next fish. But most of the time there, if they see it, they're going to eat it if you present it right. So I want it close to the fish. Here in North Carolina, our fish are a little different. You know, you got to lead them a little more. you got to read that fish's body language a little more. Um, but for Louisiana in particular, drag that fly by his nose. Like, make it... Make it very obvious where he can't miss it. If you got to move your rod tip, I know that's kind of a, you know, no, no in the fly game, but if you got to drag your rod tip, whatever it takes to get that eat, um, soft plastic, you know, whatever lure you're throwing, make it obvious, let him see it. And they will eat it most every time. That's wild. Man. You guys got to be fired up to like go to Louisiana. Here, here, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a draw. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> here we go. Here's our fish. Can, can you see this? Yeah, kind of. Keep Hold on. it real close. There we go. There go. Hey, that's a pretty good fish. Here's the fish. Here's Your the fish. It's so tiny. <laughs> okay. Is that the size so, fish we're catching while we're down there? That's not good. Here's here's the boat. Here's the guy. 
Here's his, he's going to throw the fly. Where, where we don't want to see him throw his fly is right here. Because then that fish has to go here. And that's what we call the short side. And so the better option is to throw the fly here. Boom. And then when that fish goes this way, the fly is going to drag past his face. And so if it's, if it's a situation where the fish is going that way, you're throwing the fly here, what you can do is just sweep the fly, just the long, long strip to get it into position so that now that it's a foot in front of that fish, it's getting ready to be seen by the fish. Oh, yep. Okay. Just making sure that I'm still on camera. Anyway, so once it's in there, then you can make your strips that short, hard jump, 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 just like a shrimp would do in the water. Um, but the main thing is just to give it a little action in front of the fish. If you're throwing a really heavy fly, it's the same thing. You know, Try to keep it on the surface where you can still see it and drag it into position to be fished to that fish so that when the fish gets there, then you can put the action on the fly. Jump, 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 and then they eat it. But the key thing to uh, all you know sight fishing scenarios is know where your fly is in relationship to the fish. And, you know, that's... Um, when you're bone fishing and you can't see the fly, you just stay focused on where the fly is the fish. water. Yeah. And as the fish comes to that area, you've, you've kept your focus on that fly. And then when the fish is coming into that zone where you know he's going to see it when you move it, then you start kind of playing that hunt tease game. And uh, the nice thing about you know the, the flies that we're throwing in Louisiana is they're a lot larger. So for the most part, you know the colors that we're throwing, blacks, blues, yellows, greens, whites, tans. It's all stuff that you can generally see. And so you have an idea of its relationship to the fish in the fly and when to move it. Um, but I think that should answer your question. Yeah, good. for sure. For it, sure. And is that the same for like soft plastics and hard baits, top waters, all that? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the advantage of throwing a fly is that if your cast is not in the right spot, you have the ability to pick it up and Put it back out there and uh, try to uh, recover from your last cast and put it in the right spot. Whereas with a spin rod, you are committed to the first cast. And so you have to wind it all the way back in before you throw it again. I would say that's and, probably one of the few advantages of fly versus yeah. spin. <laughs> yeah, no sure. matter how good of a fly angler you are, you know, you're not going to outfish the spin gear. I mean, there's no advantages except for that. Um, yeah. for in, the most part, a, you know, for the most part. In a sight fishing scenario, I think you have an advantage if you are a fly fisherman and you have the ability to control your cast, you know, um, and you can place it where you want. If, you know, you're a mediocre fly fisherman or a mediocre spin fisherman, I think, you know, um, it, it just goes back to just be good at everything and don't mess <laughs> up, you know, just be <laughs> you know? For sure. Make it easy on your guy and just show up awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell people it's it's like one thing that I I, I notice here and it, I mean Louisiana redfish like we're saying a lot of times can be way dumber and those big redfish are, are pretty apt to eat they're big fish they've got to eat a lot of food but uh, letting that fish feel like it found whatever you're throwing to it as opposed to really yeah. forcing it on it I think yeah. is, is very important. So very important. meaning like if that, if the fly just comes zooming in on them all of a sudden, even a really big fish might spook on a tiny fly or a tiny 
jig or soft plastic, but allowing, making that angle, playing that angle game right to where it just kind of slides into view and it looks like a little bait fish or shrimp. He's, he's more, more likely to eat. And I always tell people too, like if you make a cast to a fish, a redfish, and you don't feel like within five to seven strips, you can feed the fish, go again. And same deal with like casting a spinning rod. If you, if you cast a spinning rod out there and you don't feel like within like two seconds, it's going to be in the zone of where that, where it needs to be for that fish. Literally like maybe two or three seconds, I'm going to reel it in and go again. Cause you don't want to give them that opportunity of, of chance to mess up. And I, people probably might disagree with me there, but, but that's kind of my, my thought. No, I agree. I mean, I think like hesitation is one of the biggest causes of missed opportunities. Um, if you've got the shot, take it. If the fish changes direction, don't wait for the fish to turn back to your lure or your fly. Reel it in, pick it up, cast again. Make that fish see it. And again, going back to those big fish, if you just make them see it, they're going to eat it. But I have many times, and I'm sure every fishing guide out there, every fisherman for that matter, has many experiences where they know where they want the fly or the lure to land and where that fish is going, the fish changes directions. If you hesitate and the fish turns at the boat, he might spook. The fish may see a shadow. He might spook. There's a lot of scenarios out there where the fish could change directions, spook. So going back to what Judd said, if you realize that your opportunity is getting smaller, pick it up and recast. Make them see it. No matter what you have to do, make them see it. Yeah. And that usually results in an eat. It's a fine line of making them see it and letting them feel like they found it. What I sure. what I tell my clients when I um, get them in a, in the truck before we go fishing, we're headed to go fishing, is that there's two things that happen in a sight fishing situation, um, no matter what the species is. Is you have an imaginary stopwatch that when the fish is spotted, your clock is going to start ticking down in time, and that's kind of what Alan was talking about. And at some point, your time's going to run out, and so you got to be quick and accurate to get it to that fish when the fish is seen. And um, the second thing that happens is there's a, um, a level of opportunity reader. It's like a voltmeter. It reads the opportunity level of catching that particular fish. And so if the fish is um, coming at you and it's a nice sunny day and he's 60 to 50 feet out there and that's where you're real comfortable at throwing a cast or you're comfortable at throwing a cast at 30 feet and the fish is there then your voltmeter is going and that's when you need to drop the fly now the fish turns and is starting to go away then your meter starts to go and then it's coming back at you and meanwhile you're stopwatch is going tick 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 and so like a cloudy day you have like just seconds before you know you're looking and you can only see 20 feet and you're like left right oh redfish and you have one mississippi two mississippi done and but on a sunny day you're like okay i have a fish out there it's 100 feet away and we have a minute on our clock and so there's those two things that kind of factor in a shot in all sight fishing situations Sure. I'm just going to throw this in there that um, if you ever want to be entertained fishing, if it's a slow day, you want to be on Adam's boat. For sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want you on my boat. <laughs> yeah. But if you ever want to be entertained, as you can tell, you want to be on Adam's boat, whether it's in Louisiana or in Florida. If I had the money to pay one person to take me fishing every day for the rest of my life, it would be Adam. <laughs> and Alan, Alan and Billy would be on the boat with me. Dude, yeah. I would have so I, much fun, man. I wish I, I, I wish that we didn't have to do it. We 
do for money. I wish we could just guide for fun and you could be a permanent client and you could be a permanent client and you can be a permanent client. And I had the money to have like an awesome plane and I had my flat skip and I'd be like, Judd, <laughs> what you want to do today, man? You want to go to Louisiana? You want to go over to like Cuba? And you'd be like, mm, I don't know. Let's split up the day. We'll do a half day there and a half day there. And I'd be like, all right, let's go. You know? Yeah, that'd be, like, be pretty hey, nice. Oh, so, uh, in two days, let's pick up Alan. You know? We all need to go play that'd... the lottery immediately. Yeah, for sure. Maybe we could all win. If, if one of us wins the lottery, let's go in on this whole we should, idea. We should all make a um, a uh, a pat that if I win a million dollars, well, that won't go very far. <laughs> <laughs> Fifty million dollars that you guys can all sleep on my couch and like hang out and like scot free living. Yeah, I'm and in hundred percent. Same thing, you know. Yeah, and that way, if somebody wins, then we're like. We just we keep the crowd collecting. It just gets bigger, and maybe somebody gets it, and then we're all in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it. Then just expanded to everyone that's watching Eastern Current or listening. You heard it right here, so if we can win fifty Get it million. Big. Play the ticket, and then take us fishing. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's. Uh, I, I, there's one story that we were talking about. I want Adam to share, but first, if if there is. It, I want both y'all to give like a, a final piece of advice because we're already at an hour, which is crazy. But a final piece of advice of of you know if you're going to sight fish for big red fish, like some advice, some some encouragement, and some advice. I mean, have no have no expectations. Exactly, and be flexible. Have no, yeah. Well, have ex, have expectations to enjoy yourself in the day, no matter whether it is a day of sleet and snow, and piss poor weather but going out there to like test your your soul and your like survivability of the day and to like live through the day make sure that your hands are good and like who cares about the fishing but just go out there and like do your best and you know on the days that are really nice those are the worst days because you you generate these expectations you're like i have to catch all these fish and those are really tough days and you got to learn to just go out there and you know, take advantage of the opportunities that you get in that moment. And when you stand on the bow, and if you're the fisherman, you know, be be awesome. Don't, tell yourself you're awesome. Have supreme confidence in who you are and your abilities. And um, if you're the guy in the back of the boat, then, you know, push the boat hard and look hard and, you know, do your best and enjoy the birds and the, the crabs and the nutria and all the cool things that are out there in this world and... <laughs> You know, try to observe nature. You start seeing, um, you know, things that you've never seen before, and it all kind of comes together. You start seeing the sea terns dive bombing on the shrimp, and you realize the shrimp are coming up because of the big red fish. And, you know, if you weren't watching the birds or, like, noticing how cool they are, you wouldn't see those things. And there's a lot of neat things out there to, to understand and figure out and um, keep your eyes open. Nice. Good advice, Alan. Alan? That one I up. mean, <laughs> he hit I don't know how to follow that. I mean, all I can say is, you know, like Adam said, you you got to enjoy the tough days. Um, you know, you can bet that if you're having a tough late, tough day as the angler, your God's having a tough day too. He's thinking, he's struggling, he's trying to figure out a way to put you on fish, get you shots at fish. Um, so, like he said, on the on the really good days. 
everybody has high expectations. The angler, the guide, or even if it's not a guide, the guy pulling the boat, um, everybody has expectations on the nice days. You learn more on the tough days. Um, You learn what not to do, where to go. You know, you learn lots of little things that add up. And anybody that's been in the fishing game for long, you know, guide, angler, world traveler, doesn't matter what you've done, what kind of fishing, freshwater, saltwater, you you can't beat experience. So you learn on those very challenging days, and that's what makes you a better angler. Um, whether it's for giant Louisiana redfish, very spooky East Coast redfish, Florida Keys tarpon, um, doesn't matter where you are. You learn with every scenario. So enjoy each trip and take a little bit of take a little bit away from each trip. Yeah. But that's that's what I always that's show to clients. It's like allow, like you can learn. You're going to learn something every day if you try to, you know. Yeah. And and, and do your best to, to see what you can take. Well, Adam, you want to take us out of here with that? Well, with, <laughs> oh, 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 hold on before we do that. Okay, I just want okay. to let our audience know that we are going to give away. I'm going to do a little more promo here. Uh, $25 gift card for Ice Ride. Yes, I want yes. you to share the episode uh, just on your Facebook. Just click share. We're going to give that away at the end of the episode. Um, so while we're kind of winding this down, that'd be a good opportunity to share this, say, Hey, check out this funny, <laughs> funny podcast of Eastern current, uh, which has been amazing. So Judson, now what were you going to have him do? Sorry about that. Uh, the, the story, uh, it's an old Montana. There's so many good Adam stories, but you think that's the best one? Alan? I mean, if you think it's, it's appropriate <laughs> or should it be the, should it be the Dobson story from eating at, uh, that restaurant that one night? No, I think, uh, the, I mean, that's yeah. funny too, but the Montana story, right, the, the Mont- viewers will, I mean, so the, the the deal with with a story is that as a guide you develop these relationships with people that over the years become friends and you openly can tell these people I love you and there are several clients that I end my conversation with I love you man um, and there's there's those days that we, we just talked about that are really hard out there where you survive the day and <laughs> that bond brings you together with those people. And, um, as a guide, you know, all of us have really special people in our lives. And, um, one of the, the story, the story I'm going to tell you is about, um, a gentleman who has uh, passed <laughs> just recently Oh. Um, he uh, he's he was 98, um, and I got to guide him for several years. But when I first started guiding him, he was he was a crotchety old man, and he was funny, and um, he loved to to joke. And um, anyway, he uh, he he did a river trip with me in Montana, and it's a it's a big trip. It's a 60 mile float of no roads. Um, and you commit to this river and it's, uh, you know, it's camping and, um, you know, for a, a guy that's that old to do a trip like that, it's a big deal. And on day one, you have all these people putting in at the same time and hustling to get their river miles so they can spread out. But, and so the first mile or so, everyone just packed up. And so it's bumper boats, bumper boats, bumper boats. And I get him in the boat and... He announces to me that he's got to take a shit. Excuse, I know I'm not supposed to say that word, but you can say that one. Alan's fine. He he points to this mountain. He's like, "Take me over that mountain. I gotta take a shit." I'm thinking, well, if he thinks that he's gonna climb that mountain, 
then he must be pooping himself right now because that's a big deal. He's got two hips that are brand new and he can barely walk and he's pointing at that hill like he thinks he's going to conquer that thing to go poop. No, that's not happening. <laughs> so I, I back row to the, the close bank and I um, pull the nose of the boat up onto the, the shore and I help his leg over and I help, you know, help him out and I point to the bush that seems the closest, easiest place for him to go poop. I say, Webster, that's your bush. You're going to go behind that bush. I'm going to dig. I'm going to get you the, the toilet paper and the wet wipes, and I'm going to meet you over there, okay? Just came, you know, clicking away, clicking away. I'm digging around. I finally get the, the necessary paperwork for him, and I look, and he's like five feet from the boat, and he has got his pants around his ankles, and he is – got to change the screen here. So he's stomping around like this. And he's he's trying to bend over. When he bends over, his his lower unit here was hitting the the the, the stinging nettles, the rose hips, all the things that have spines. And so as he bends down, he goes oh and pops back up, oh and pops back up. And I'm like, wait a minute, Webster, what are you doing? So I go over there and I smush down this spot for him. So I'm making a clearing. And then he sneaks in behind me, and he puts his hands between my legs like this and grabs onto me. So all I see are his hands like this. <laughs> and so he's leaning back on me, and he's like, hold on just a minute. I'm just going to take a minute. And I'm like, what are you doing? No, no. And so I just hear the cork on pop, boom. <laughs> and it just sprays. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm hearing this. And his hand comes through my legs like this. Give me a wet wipe. Give me a wet wipe. So I put a wet wipe in his hand. It disappears. And then he puts it right where I can see it and then spikes it like a football in front of me. He's like, God damn it, I got a mess. Give me a handful of those things. Oh, man. That is the best poop story. I help him back to the boat and... We take a moment to reflect upon his conquering the poop challenge of the day, and <laughs> the boaters start floating by. He just stands there and just waves like a southern debutante, you know, like he's the mayor of the river. And we uh, we went on about our business and fished the rest of the day. But um, Webster was a great client, and uh, he's missed. But you know. Uh, there's a lot of great clients out there and I got a lot of stories about a lot of people doing a lot of stuff and you know if your guide ever says to you one of these things then you know that there's something going on it's okay I got wet wipes <laughs> stop doing that it's getting dangerous <laughs> do you mind getting out and pushing do you know anything about outboard engines <laughs> I'm gonna swear again Oh shit, we fucking gotta go. <laughs> oh but, man. Oh, oh, those are things that happen on a guy day. And, uh, another one is here, put on your life jacket. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I, I pulled my life jackets out, you know, uh, uh, two years ago with a Blaine Chocolate and um, Robert Kinkoff. And it was unnecessary, but. 
I thought we needed them. <laughs> but that's, that's what a guide will do for you, hopefully. And, uh, you know, I thought it wasn't like we were coming back in. It was, no, I'm trying to take you fishing, and you, we might need to wear life jackets. And we got out there, and it wasn't worth it. But, it, you know, it was because now I have an amazing, you know, thing that I went through in my head with these people and like they have a story because of it because for this sure weird sicko redhead tried to take them out <laughs> to a place that shouldn't have been gone to you know oh man dude that is so funny man wait what was that what was that man's name Webster is that what his name is Webster he he's the only person that I ever would call that would answer the phone by saying his own last name I think it was a generational thing for old people you know, you know, like if someone called me and I said, DeBruin, you know, like <laughs> that's your last name, you know? Yeah, dude, that's awesome. I might man. pick that up. Brock. Brock, <laughs> right? You got an awesome last name. I would. I, I don't would know. Do I think it. DeBruin sounds better for if you're just going to say one thing when you pick the phone up. Yeah. I'd probably say my middle name, Buckminster. Buckminster. <laughs> Buckminster. Buckminster. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Man, you guys have been such a funny crowd, dude. We can have more. We can have like a I was variety. Say, I think it's more stories than red fishing. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude, I love it. Well, I think it's interesting just to hear all the stories about Louisiana. I mean, it's so interesting because you know it's like guys like me have never been, and a lot of people that listen to this podcast are probably. Uh, I know a lot of weekend warriors who are just you know here in North Carolina, and so to to think about the adventure to go into Louisiana and fish and, 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 you know, even like guided trips. So if you guys are listening or watching, um, these guys, you I'm just going to get on each of your cameras real quick. Here's Adam. So red hook fishing. Um, so get in touch with him and then Alan, captain Allen. So captain underscore Allen, get in touch with him. And then, uh, Judd Brock, if you can't get in touch with those guys, Judd will, charge you a commission fee and send you hey, <laughs> send you their phone number <laughs> i want some of your stickers judd oh I'll, I'll get you some my my father-in-law made me those for christmas it was a pretty funny awesome christmas present everyone everyone's been saying how cool they are i want some to give some people i will uh, i'll get them to you what a good episode man thank you guys so much for coming on absolutely we'll have to have you again when you get back from louisiana and i didn't get to share my stores. one tip though about red fishing Do if share. it's not tailing it's not a red fish they don't cast unless it's tailing <laughs> and that's that's gonna that's it that's it dude that's such an awesome episode it was a great show thank awesome. you alan and adam and, and we'll see y'all soon